0: Step into my library, won't you, and have a seat by the fire. This is Jennifer Passarello from Circa19XX.com and the Circa Sunday Night Podcast. But tonight, we're not in either of those places. We're in the Vintage Century Reading Room, and I have a book to share with you that have been lost in the mists of time. Let's have a little read, shall we? A friend like you for your driving all my kids away well hello there i'm so glad you're here now you oh you know who else is here who just arrived on the scene olive and she has a couple of biscuits with her and just as i started talking she started chewing her biscuits i don't know if the microphone is picking that up but i can hear it it's really loud so here we are, me and Olive by the fire, me talking into the microphone, and Olive chewing her biscuits. That's probably the highlight of tonight's show. <laughs> you know, this is a, a top flight production. Oh yes, we're, we're very professional around here. But anyway, why don't I start over? Hello there, I'm so glad you're here. I really am, you know, I am really glad that you're here. Okay, before we jump into some chit-chat, I feel like I have to explain why we are on Chapter 10 of the book, Take a Look at Yourself, when we left off on Chapter 6. So, if you tuned in a couple of weeks ago, we were on Chapter 6, Overcoming a Sense of Inferiority, and now all of a sudden, we're on Chapter 10. You're probably thinking, Jennifer, what in the world? Well, first of all, let me just say this. If you've been following each chapter... Every couple of weeks when I drop another episode, I just have to say I'm stunned. I'm thrilled, but I'm stunned. I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be way too boring to attract any real listeners. Of course, you know, now that I think about it, maybe that's their appeal. So if you use these shows at night to put yourself to sleep, well, they will do that. (laughs) But still... I'm surprised that it's just not me, you know, here by myself. So why are we on Chapter 10? Well, because I couldn't wait to get to this chapter. Curiosity got the best of me, and the title of this chapter just sounds like a lesson that I need to learn. It's called Living One Day at a Time. I have spent a lifetime trying to anticipate the future and getting ahead of myself every step of the way you know really that's a terrible habit because it deprives you of seeing really how beautiful today is but again i've lived my whole life that way as you know i've been trying to change my thinking this year i'm trying to reprogram my brain and the way i think about things and so i'm dying to dive into this chapter that is why we're on chapter 10. (laughs) And speaking of changing my thinking, I mentioned in one of my earlier episodes that I'm really guarding my brain. I'm on a strict mental diet. That's what I'm calling it anyway. I'm watching what I'm feeding into my brain. Anything violent, anything vulgar, anything ugly, it's all out. I am not putting that kind of stuff into my head any longer. And as part of this diet, I've all but cut out any current movies, television, music. I'm just not into it. I'm not putting that stuff into my head. So instead, I'm watching old movies. Now and then, I'm not a huge movie watcher. I do watch movies. I talk about old movies on the show sometimes. But honestly, I don't watch a whole lot of movies anyway. But occasionally, I will watch an old movie. I love to read books, of course, and old books are a particular favorite of mine. I love to listen to old music or, of course, my favorite old radio shows. Or I will check out my favorite podcasts or my YouTube channels. And that leads me to something that I wanted to share with you. I saw something on one of my favorite YouTube channels that was so lovely and joyful that it has stayed with me all day. Now, when I tell you what this is, you're probably going to think I've totally lost it, that I've become eccentric in my old age, and perhaps I have, but we need joy in this world. And I loved this thing so much that I just had to talk to you about it, so I hope you'll bear with me. My mom got me hooked on a channel that she watches called Little Poet, and the Little Poet is actually a woman named Susan Buchanan. And she's actually closer in age to my mom than she is to me. But I started watching this show because my mom likes it so much. And now I have become fascinated with it. Maybe I'm a little bit obsessed. I've been binge watching these shows out on YouTube. You know, what kind of show is it? Well, she talks about her life. She talks about fashion for women of a certain age. So uh, she is in her 60s. So she talks about fashion. She's beautiful, by the way. She talks about skin care and makeup and just all kinds of things. Oh, she likes to talk about thrifting and going to antique malls, which I also love. So that's really fun to watch. But she talks about all kinds of things. And then she makes these beautiful, simple little videos that I think are just lovely. And they're soothing. And they're just so relaxing to watch. I just have found that I look forward to watching them every week. Well, she has this little dog that's frequently on her show, and I have totally fallen in love with him. I mean, he is just a little sweetheart. His name is Desi, and he's just so beautiful. He has an underbite and this charming little face. Oh, I I always look forward to seeing him. He is just so darling. Well, her Christmas show just dropped this weekend. Oh, and I should mention, by the way, that as I'm recording this tonight, this episode, we're just a few days before Christmas. Now, I know by the time you hear this, it's going to be, um, gosh, when is it going to be? February, because I record these a few weeks in advance. So it's gonna be February by the time you hear this, but at the time of recording, it's just a few days before Christmas. And Susan Buchanan just dropped her Christmas show. At the end of her show, she and Desi sing a little segment of Jingle Bells. She sings, and Desi does this cute little howling in response to her singing. And there was just something so beautiful and so pure and innocent and charming about that little segment of her show that I had to rewind it a couple of times and watch it over and over again. I just loved it. You know, Desi has just really transformed because he was a rescue dog and apparently he had come from an abused home. And she tells the story of when she adopted him. He was really, really shy and nobody really wanted to adopt him because he just wasn't very friendly and he was so scared. And oh my gosh, he's just really come to life. Uh, He's just darling. But anyway, the two of them singing Jingle Bells, I know what this sounds like. I know what you're thinking. You're rolling your eyes. You're probably switching off this show. (laughs) If you found this show by accident, you're probably either making fun of it or you're thinking, what am I listening to? This woman is crazy. And yeah, I guess I am. I guess it's kind of silly. But you know what? That is exactly the kind of thing That I want to put inside my head. A woman and her beautiful dog and their beautiful relationship and the two of them singing jingle bells in celebration of Christmas. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing I want to put in my head. Now, I'm going to put a link to that episode of hers in the show notes in case you want to check it out you may become addicted to her show as well. I hope so because uh, she's a fascinating woman and I just have come to love her show very much. Okay, well what about our little show? If you're just joining me, welcome! I've got the fire going as I mentioned before and you know I always try to get close enough to the fire so maybe you can hear it. I don't know, can you hear it? Like pops and cracks? I mean, I can hear I can hear the fire going. I don't know if the microphone can pick that up or not. But anyway, I've got a fire going. And we're going to read together. We're reading a book that was written in 1943 called Take a Look at Yourself by a man named John Homer Miller. This book is out of print. It's been out of print for a long time. And I only have it because I found it in an old bookshop several years ago. And then I recently came across it again. And now we are... Exploring it chapter by chapter. Now, we've already read chapters 1 through 6. And now, as I mentioned, we're skipping ahead to chapter 10. (laughs) So, I can't wait to get started. Why don't we dive in? Chapter 10 Living one day at a time. My father used to tell the story of an old parrot which was kept in a cage hung over the doorway of a hunting club. As guests went in and out of the club, the old parrot, with great dignity and courage, would speak the only words he knew. One at a time, gentlemen, one at a time. Well, finally, one day, he managed to escape from his cage and wandered off into the mountains. A search party was sent to find him, and it was some days later before he was discovered. His rescuers came just in the nick of time. He'd wandered into a hornet's nest, and the hornets were stinging him fiercely. There he was, head high and with great dignity and courage, still shrieking at the top of his voice, One at a time, gentlemen, one at a time. That parrot exemplifies the mental attitude toward life which you must have if you are to live effectively and peacefully in our modern world. If you can take your troubles as they come, if you can maintain your calm and composure amid the pressing duties and unending engagements, if you can rise above the distressing and disturbing circumstances in which you're set down, you have discovered a priceless secret to daily living. If you're forced to go through life weighed down by some inescapable misfortune, yet live each day as it comes with peace and poise of spirit, well, you've succeeded where most people have failed. You've wrought a greater achievement than many a man who rules a city. This inner mastery of everyday living was superlative in Christ, who lived each day in the faith that tomorrow would take care of itself, and who believed that sufficient unto the day, were the duties and evils thereof." This invaluable secret of everyday living, discovered long centuries ago by religion, has been rediscovered in recent times by psychologists. Psychologists tell you that you can change almost any human situation by changing your attitude toward it. Now, you can never change any human situation by trying to run away from it. That's why psychiatrists today, in dealing intimately with people, know that their first problem is not to get people into right relationships with others, but into right relationships with themselves. Many people are like Samuel Johnson, who said that his chief vocation in life was trying to escape from himself. You escape the circumstances of your life not by running away from them, but by changing your attitude toward them. For trouble is not outside, but inside yourself. When you once are possessed with this idea, you have, whether you realize it or not, all the forces of God and of your own nature marshaled on your side. With that change mental attitude, you come into the faith that God will help you take care of today. Your new attitude toward life makes you able to reach out for and receive the hope and strength which life and God have always been ready and eager to give. You can prove to yourself that life is basically and fundamentally an inner attitude. Begin by trying to recall what troubled you most a week ago. You probably find it difficult to remember. Why should you then worry unduly or fret over the problem that arises today until at least a week has passed? You can't put the problem or difficulty completely out of your mind but you need not allow it to occupy the center of your attention until at least seven days have passed. Then what happens? Well, nine times out of ten, before seven days are over, the problem has either completely disappeared or your changed mental attitude toward it has caused it almost not to exist. Christ's philosophy that tomorrow will take care of itself is a psychologically sound inner attitude toward life. Several years ago, Edwin Markham, the world-famous poet, would sometimes be a guest in our home. He went to bed long after midnight, and he arose at noon the next day. On one of his visits, a group of men who had been repairing our street began their operations at eight o'clock in the morning. The steam shovel went to work with its terrific noise and confusion, yet we never heard a sound out of Edwin Markham. He slept peacefully through it all. When we awakened him at noon, and I asked how he could possibly sleep through it all, he made this reply. When I go to bed at night, I turn the world in which I have been living during the day over to God. I have enough confidence in Him to know that He will be able to take care of it without me for at least eight or ten hours. As for that steam shovel, that's nothing to me but a fly speck on the hinges of eternity. You see, through these long years of experience, I have learned to live one day at a time, to take what is, to trust what may be, and to meet tomorrow when it comes. Living, he said, is an attitude toward life. When I asked Mr. Markham what he would say to a person who desired to live more effectively and peacefully each day as it came, he gave me three fundamental suggestions. The first is this. I would say, he said that many years of discipline and experience have taught me that life is so arranged that it never calls upon us to live more than one day at a time. When I get up in the morning, I take a comprehensive view of the day ahead of me, and I settle down to face one problem at a time. Now, invariably, it's your own fault when you bear more than one trouble at a time. Edward Everett Hale once said, Never attempt to bear more than one kind of trouble at once. Some people bear three kinds, all they have had, all they have now, and all they expect to have. Dr. Harvey Cushing, the greatest brain specialist the world has known, admitted that his poise of spirit and skill of hand were due to the fact that he had learned to concentrate all his powers of body, mind, and spirit on the operation he was currently performing, even though another and entirely different operation was immediately to follow. The second suggestion Mr. Markham made for changing a man's attitude toward his daily life follows closely upon the first. In my years of experience, he said, I have learned never to carry the cares and worries of today over into tomorrow. The Apostle Paul gives us sound counsel. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. John Ruskin used to say, look upon each day as the whole of life not merely as a section, and enjoy and improve the present without wishing through haste to rush on to another. Bruce Barton tells of a family which consisted of several brothers whose assets totaled hundreds of thousands of dollars. He said, They meet every day at luncheon and discuss whatever problems the day's work has developed. Often the debate is spirited, but when it's over, they make their decision unanimous and they always act as a unit. What profits are made by one are shared by the others. If one suffers a loss, they all suffer together. Barton asks, what has preserved their remarkable partnership? Well, they never allow a disagreement to carry over into the next day. They meet, they settle it before the sun goes down. Mr. Markham's final suggestion was, a man's attitude toward life can be tremendously changed if he'll take time methodically and regularly, to be still. It is possible for you to build up and increase your strength from within. Your great need is to develop an inward serenity, which inevitably becomes an outward strength. Experience should teach you that you need something more than mere busyness to get your work done. One writer said, Without absolute solitude, I'm unable to produce anything at all. If you're trying to handle your daily life merely with the technique of energy, activity, and busyness, you'll come at last to a place where you cannot go on. When tragedy befalls and your heart is strained or broken, you cannot handle that situation merely by being energetic. Then the technique of being busy must give way to the technique of being still. The deep resources of your power are not in the world of immediacy, externalism and noise. Thomas Edison was one of the most indefatigable workers that ever lived, yet he enjoyed good health and lived far beyond the allotted three-score years and ten. His energy was vital and tremendous. He worked about 18 hours a day. Such a schedule year after year would have been impossible had it not been for his acquired habit of alternation between being busy and being still. His obedience to the law of following effort with relaxation and activity with rest made all the difference. In consequence, he unlocked hidden resources of power, strength, and endurance. Someone once said that there's no great art without serenity. Well, neither can you greatly and effectively live without inward serenity. One of the most profound secrets of living one day at a time is in the alternation between being busy and being still, an occasional stopping in the heat of the day and withdrawing into that inner world where your inward man is renewed day by day. Jesus knew your need of inward renewal when he said, "'Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Frequently I have people say to me after they've sat quietly through a service of worship that they feel stronger, calmer, and more composed. They may not know just what has taken place, but in service of worship they've withdrawn into the silence and stillness of another world. If you would live each day as it comes, you must deliberately plan to take time to withdraw from the immediacy, the noise, and the externalism of this world— and fill the stillness of another world brooding over your spirit. And being alone with yourself, you will feel in your consciousness that you're not alone, that you never were alone. You'll discover that God was here long before you were ever born, and will be here long after you've gone. You'll learn that God is not in a hurry, even if you are, that He causes time to come as fast as it goes, And that there's always plenty of time to do what should be done. In taking time to be quiet, you'll discover the ultimate secret of living one day at a time. What did you think of that chapter? I really liked it. I don't know about you, but I thought there was a lot of good stuff in there. Well first of all, are you a worrier like me? I'm a worrier. I'm a lifelong worrier. And that's why I'm always living in the future. Now I know that worrying doesn't really affect the outcome of things. It's a big waste of energy. It's a big waste of time. But I think in my mind, if I worry, I'll be a little bit more prepared for disaster when it comes. You know, I won't be surprised by the worst-case scenario. I love what Miller says at the end of the chapter. He said this, God was here long before you were ever born and will be long after you're gone. He isn't in a hurry, even if you are. And there's always plenty of time to do what should be done. I love that. In other words, God's got this. He's got it under control. Be still, he tells us in Psalm 46, and know that I am God. But you know what I think was my favorite part of this chapter? I think it was that quote from John Ruskin. Remember, remember this quote? It was early in the chapter. He said this, Look upon each day as the whole of life, not merely as a section, and enjoy and improve the present without wishing through haste to rush on to another. I love this quote because we do this, don't we? We, we stack days We line them up like links in a chain, and the purpose of each one seems like nothing more than just getting us to the next one, to the next day. But what if today was all there was, complete in and of itself? We come alive in the morning, we die in the evening, and then everything that happens in between is just about that moment, that present day. Gosh, what an amazing way to live. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I love that. I think that's going to be something that I carry with me this week. In fact, I've already written down that Ruskin quote, and I'm going to kind of keep it in my little day planner that I use for work, and I'm going to keep that in front of me. Okay, so in this chapter, you remember we got three tips. One was face one problem at a time. Don't try to tackle more than one problem at a time. Number two Never carry the cares of one day over to the next day. And then number three, be still. Well, those are good suggestions, don't you think? Aren't you glad I skipped to chapter 10? (laughs) Well, that just about does it for this week. Hey, come back in two weeks, won't you? We still have some more chapters to read and more things to talk about. And also just more time to spend together. Have a great week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.